You're listening to audio from The Village Church. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit tvcresources.net. Well, hey, church fam. We are the Carly family. <laughs> you <gotta> stop. <laughs> I'm Chris. This is my wife, Katie. Uh, we have had the privilege of serving in the Middle East for the past two years as goers sent from The Village Church. Um, and that's just such a good, a good word that was just shared. This place feels like home. We've experienced that. It's good to be with family again and to see your faces, to be encouraged by you. And so we're glad to be here today. Um, We have had the privilege also of getting to see God do really incredible things in our time overseas. And we would love an opportunity to share some of those things with you. And so next Sunday, uh, we're going to be having an information gathering. It was supposed to be today. If you guys were planning to come today, I apologize. Scheduling conflicts, we're going to move it to next Sunday, June 12th at 2 p.m. in Suite 165. And so we'd love to see you there. We would love to worship in God's faithfulness together through just shared story and just getting to hear about all the things that he's done um, in our time overseas. And we'd love to get to know you. And so come on out, please. We would love to shake your hand, see your face. If we know you, great. If we don't, come. We would love to get to know you and just get to share in God's faithfulness. And so we also have the privilege today to get to share in our scripture for the service. And so we're going to be reading Philippians 4, 4. And it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. If you're watching at home, he said, this is the word of the Lord. (laughs) Then we said, thanks "Thanks be to God. So, hey, it's good to see you guys. So the, the Carly's and then the beards were in here, the last service, and then the boblets on the, like, we just have men and women all over the world right now, heralding the good news of the gospel. And that Carly, I, I don't know if you know the Carly, some of you do, obviously by the screams, they, they have these three beautiful little blonde girls and, and another one on the way. And, and man, if, I don't know what your when you think about a missionary, you think about who goes to the ends of the earth. I don't know what, what type of person kind of pops into your mind, but the fruitfulness that has been born of that family in what almost everybody in this room would consider to be one of the darker places on the planet has been nothing short of stunning. And, and so we have said for a long time, we want to be the kind of church that with our resources, people, talents, dollars, holds an open hand and operates in a kind of way that reveals there's one kingdom that we're after making much of, and, and it's not this little baby one that, that we're a part of here. Uh, and when I'm saying that, I'm speaking to the village church and its brand or whatever, uh, and, and just such a great picture of faithfulness in a very young couple to head to the ends of the earth. Uh, I wanted to highlight... 4-4 today. I'm not really going to exegetically, or 4-2 today. I'm not going to exegetically break down that passage. I, I think we've got it. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I don't think I need to do a lot of deep work there, uh, but I do want to set it in its context, and, and I want to set it in its context, and I want to tell you what we're trying to do, and then I'm going to be done in 12 to 15 minutes. In chapter one, the apostle Paul from prison says that me being in prison is actually working out for the gain of the gospel. Then he goes on to say, many have told me 
that other teachers are preaching the gospel with wrong motives, that they're preaching the true gospel, but they're doing it so they might be made much of. They, they don't love the Lord from a humble heart. They, they love the Lord from a self-seeking heart. And then he, he moves over into chapter two and, and he, he tells the church at Philippi that there's got to stop being grumblings and quarreling among you, right? So there's a reason he's writing that, right? You don't just say that to a church. You say that to a church that's got some grumbling and some quarreling. And then you move into chapter three and he says, watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh, there was a group of Judaizers that had come from Jerusalem to Philippi and they were telling the people, the new Christians at that church, that if they actually wanted to be Christians, they would have to become Jews first, including circumcision and obeying all the dietary laws of Judaism. And so Paul says, watch out for the dogs. They're adding to the gospel. They're deceiving. Don't listen to them. And then he starts out chapter four, literally just a verse before this saying, Hey ladies, there are these two women. Uh, all we know about these women is they're super influential women in this small congregation. They're, they're powerful women and they disagree on something. And, and they're the people are, because we're human, even in the church, they're, they're taking sides with this woman or that woman. And so the apostles like ladies, can we please for the grace of God, can, can we find a way forward in all of this? So if you're reading the book of Philippians, it, it, it's just kind of what a church is. It's just kind of a, a hot mess where, where there's a lot of really cool things happening and there's always a, a lot of kind of difficult things happening. And yet the Apostle Paul's command in Philippians 4 is this kind of defiant joy that no matter what else is going on, we're going to get our eyes up and we're going to rejoice in the Lord always. And so when when there's bad, like he's in prison and he's writing, rejoice in the Lord always. And he's heard there are those preaching for false gain. And he says, hey, rejoice in the Lord. And the congregation's grumbling and they're not as mature as he would like them to be. And he's like, no, 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 let's rejoice in the Lord. And he's got these false teachers that are trying to destroy the work of God and the souls of men and women. He says, get your head up, rejoice in the Lord. He's got these two powerful alpha females most terrifying creature on earth. <laughs> and he says to him, ladies, can we find a way forward? Any one of those moments might have taken the wind out of the sails of the church at Philippi. But there's a kind of defiant joy and bent towards celebration and optimism that the people of God are meant to be marked by. And, and that's part of what we're trying to do today. Like that's one, that's why it was necessary to lament last week. There's a time for that. And, and that's why this week we're saying, but man, isn't God at work everywhere? He is. Uh, I see some of the groups, crew over here. There's Justin and Mark. And I, don't, I think Tori was in the nine. Maybe she's in here. I don't I don't see her, but um, they, they built a, a Trello board for me. You, you don't need to know what that is. It's just a tool we use. But on that Trello board, they just dumped dozens and dozens and dozens of stories of what God's doing among us here 
at the village. And men, we, we've seen people physically healed. In fact, not on that board, but I got a text yesterday from a prayer team member who we prayed for a two-year-old two weeks ago. Tumor is about this size. The, yesterday is about this size. I mean, that's just, that, like, that's just happening. It's just happening. We, we've seen people become Christians. And, and, and that's, that's not even counting like the millions of acts of simple care for one another that exist in this place. Are we perfect? Oh gosh, no, we're a wreck. You get close, you'll be like, oh, it's a little nastier than I thought here. Yeah, I'm not trying to hide that from you. This is a day of saying, but in the middle of all that mess, man in the Lord, good and kind, and is he using his people? Isn't he working? Like groups are prayer walking their neighborhoods. They're, they're inviting people into the beauty of what it means to belong to Jesus. People are being woken up out of kind of bland, religious, moral conservatism into living, vibrant relationships with Jesus that change everything. And, and there's just story after story after story after story after story of that. There's no way to ever fully communicate it all to you. And so I wanted to anchor in this passage, but then remind you what we're doing. And so there is a, if you remember, several years ago now, we made the decision, that the elders of this church made the decision. We entered into a season we called Multiply, and we decided to take this massive mega giga church that God had built here with five campuses, close to 16,000 people, and purposefully become the fastest shrinking church in America. And so we rolled off each of those campuses to be autonomous. And what we realized is that meant we were in a very real essence replanting ourselves. Like we were gonna need to think differently. We were gonna need to operate differently. We were gonna need to hire differently and organize differently. Uh, and so we set out to do all of that by the grace of God. All of those campuses are, are killing it right now, growing, seeing people become Christians, making disciples, just a, a beautiful thing. But we, we needed to rethink what it means to be a local congregation. Uh, and so we rolled out uh, a, a big mission statement says, this is what we're going to be about. This is how we're going to spend our money. This is how we're going to measure and weight things. And, and we pulled that from the great commandment and the great commission that we exist, the village church, what we're doing here. So if you're a guest, great morning to, to pop in. We exist. What we're about is loving God to love God, love others and make disciples of Jesus Christ. That, that's it. That, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the, filter or the grid through which we're thinking and talking when we're doing anything. You ask me about an aspect of ministry at the village church, I'll plug it back into that. Trying to help you see and savor and love God with your mind and heart and soul because out of the overflow of that, you'll be able to love people. And we don't think you'll be able to love people well if you don't understand that. And then we're serious about making disciples. I'm not interested in growing a crowd or I wouldn't preach the way I do sometimes. Like I, I'm, we're after disciples. There's only followers of Jesus and not followers of Jesus. And biblical Christianity is made up of disciples, those who follow him, those who are becoming more like him. There is no category for moral churchgoer being described as a Christian. There's just not. There's who has a relationship with Jesus and who as best they can by the grace of God and the power of the Spirit is following after him. It's messy, it's slow, but it's called discipleship. And that, that's what we're doing. That's what we're trying to help us all do together as a family. Love God, let's grow in that. Love others, let's grow in that. 
make disciples. Let's follow the best we can by the grace of God in the season of life we're in and the time we're in. We good? And so after we, we got that, we, I mean, we wrestled. There was a robust amount of praying and dialogue is what we call it uh, around that statement. And then we started to dream like, what would it, what would it look like for us to actually like see that happen? Like, like let's just kind of use our redeemed imaginations and come up with a, a vision of what the church could be 10 years from now. Now it's eight years from now. This happened two years ago. Um, what, what would happen if we kind of gave ourselves over to this? What could it look like in 2030? And then we, we built out a paragraph that, that's not scripture. It's not sacred. It's not. It, what it is is a group of men and women that by the, by, by the grace of God um, got together in a room under the weight of this is why we exist. This is all we're going to do. Everything we do is feeding into loving God, feeding into loving others, and feeding into being serious about following Jesus in this season of human history. What could it look like? And we came up with a, a big old paragraph. And it, it, the, the amount of robust dialogue around this paragraph was extensive. <laughs> It, it, it was about every little word. Why this? Why not that? Well, I don't like that. Well, what about this? Well, where are we going to put this? Well, wouldn't this happen if that happened? Uh, I mean, it was, for my personality type, it was a lot of fun. I think others, not so much, but it's fun. So what I want to be able to do is I just want to read this statement to you, and then I'm going to point out two things about it, and then I'm going to be done, and I'm going to make my time. Here is our 2030 vision. In 2030, this will change. The mission will never change. Not, not in my run with you, right? I'm, I'm 20 years in, maybe got 15, 20 left, but, but we're not changing that, that big one again. But this one will change. Mission won't, vision will. Here's what we are becoming. The 2030 vision says, we are a welcoming home to thousands of people seeking Jesus Christ and growing in the grace of of the gospel. With all our efforts wholly dependent upon God, we make disciples across all ages. Every stage of life has a portion in the church. We celebrate 300 baptisms every year. We are a safe place for the broken and the suffering to come and receive hope and care. We demonstrate the ministry of presence as we rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. We send disciples into their homes, into neighborhoods, into our city, and into the nations. We have planted and revitalized 30 churches and have 100 goers, that's missionaries, reaching 10 unreached people groups. We have seen more than 50,000 individuals reached by the gospel through our campuses, church plants, revitalization efforts, and goers. We have generously resourced millions of people across the globe as we share the gifts that God has entrusted to us every day in all spaces through each season of life. We are building beyond ourselves, living the greater story together and creating a kingdom legacy for generations to come. Now, two things about this statement. If we're going to see it fulfilled over the next eight years, we'll need prayerful dependence and we'll need gospel ambition. Prayerful dependence and gospel ambition. Let's start with prayerful dependence. There, there are two things that are in the, this vision statement, right? Uh, two, two things. The, the first would be, there are metrics in here. Like we, we set 
measurable um, goals in this. And, and we wanted them to be big goals, goals that we didn't feel like we could pull off because we're good, right? So, so there, are, there are numbers here, and, and then there are, that, like, we want to see 300 baptisms a year. That's a lot. Guys, that's three or four a Sunday. That's a lot. We want to see 30 church plants. That's not a lot. We will probably hit that in the next year or two. We should have dreamed bigger there. A hundred goers. That's a lot. A hundred missionaries sent out. That's a lot. 10 unreached people groups. That's a lot. And that's expensive. 50,000 individuals without doing something like, you know, how many people watch the, the sermon that that's not how we want to count that. So we've got metrics in here, but we also have things that you can't measure and you can't pull off. We want to be a welcoming home. We want every stage of life to have a portion in the church. We want to be a safe place for the broken and suffering to receive hope and care. We want to demonstrate the ministry of presence as we mourn with those who mourn and rejoice with those who rejoice. We want to send disciples back into the world, which means we, we want to love you, encourage you, rebuke you, and push you and train you in a kind of way that when you go home in your neighborhood and when you head to work and when you go play where you play, you're going as a disciple of Jesus Christ, that you wouldn't be able to define your Christian life based on your hour and 10 minutes here. You got that? Now, here's why I think it's important that both, are the, both of those are here under the banner in particular of prayerful dependence. The, the reason why I think there needs to be metrics and non-metrics is because if you just have a metrics-based vision, you could manipulate or tweak to hit those numbers but miss the very heart of Jesus for a local church. I, I, I literally think, and again, this is all part of that robust dialogue, there are many men and women on our staff, maybe you know this, maybe you don't, who, who like they travel all over the place. Other churches want to hear from them, want to be trained by them, want to, they speak at conferences, they're, they're authors. And I mean, it's just, we, we are an embarrassment of riches here. It's ridiculous. Like enough so that when I'm not preaching, I, I know the good, the corn's still gonna be shucked. You know what I'm saying? Maybe not, maybe I need to get rid of that altogether, but I know. Like whoever's up here, when I'm out, they're, they're preaching the same book with the same passion, pointing to the same Jesus and, and feeding you faithfully. It's incredible what God has done here. And when you stockpile that kind of talent, that's a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing. We wanted to have a vision that we knew we couldn't pull off if the Holy Spirit didn't do something among us. You can't organize a welcoming ethos. I mean, we can have greeters, but, but that doesn't, you, you can't just create structures that make it a safe place. I mean, you've got to have some structure, but, but the spirit of God has to do something in that space. We wanted to create a statement that no matter how hard we worked and we're grinders, no matter how hard we work, if the spirit doesn't blow wind into the sail, it's not going to work. And so the call on your life and mine, if we're going to see God do these things, is to plead with the Holy Spirit to do those things that only he can do. 
to ask the spirit of the living God to create the kind of space, to do the kind of work, to break loose in a kind of way in the hearts and minds of men and women, to create something where he gets the glory and, and no one else does. And, and that's the prayerful dependence side of this. The, the second thing that I want to point out, because I think it gets a bad rap, is godly ambition. It's like we've lost a category for that. Um, and, and I don't think we should, I think we should have a category for ambition, ambition that seeks to make much of a brand name or a man's name should be rejected, but gospel ambition, ambition to make much of the name and renown of Jesus Christ. It, it is a good, right ambition that we should give ourselves over to. Literally, we should give ourselves over to. So one of the things that's interesting to me, and I, I, I get to straddle these two worlds. I, I, I help run a, a nonprofit, and then I'm the pastor here. And then, man, I've, I've been discipling and walking with kind of business guys over the years. And, and right now, there's this kind of lament over the work ethic of the generation that's coming up. Right? It's just like, like where's, the, where's the grinders and the hustlers? And the, like, where do, we, where, where do we work hard anymore? It's like when we think about the Christian life, like all of that goes to the wayside. Like we don't work hard in the Christian life. We just rest in the presence of Jesus. Uh-huh. And you know what you get in the presence of Jesus? The capacity to work hard. Oh, you, you, think, I'm, you think I'm making that up? Okay, you think I'm making that up. Here's Colossians 1.29. For this I toil, or, or some of your Bibles might say, for this reason I toil. You know what he's coming out of? He's coming out of a long spiel on the supremacy of Jesus Christ, the preeminence of Christ, the firstborn of all creation. For by him, all things were created, both heaven and earth, both visible and invisible, rulers and powers and authorities, that Christ is preeminent, all-powerful. And for this reason, I toil. I work, I grind, I hustle, but not me. Look what he says. With all his energy that he powerfully works within me. And again, in 1 Corinthians 15, right before he gets into the power of the resurrection, right after he lays out the gospel. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Here it is again. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is within me. So to be in the presence of Jesus, to marvel at his goodness and grace, is to be given supernatural energy for the work of the gospel, for the name of Jesus. And then again, he says to the church in Colossae, whatever you do, work heartily, hard, with great energy, as for the Lord and not for men. Here's John Stott. Ambitions for self may be quite modest. Ambitions for God, however, if they are to be worthy, can never be modest. There is something inherently inappropriate about cherishing small ambitions for God. How can we ever be content that he should acquire just a little more honor in the world? No, once we are clear that God is king, then we long to see him crowned with glory and honor and accorded his true place 
which is the supreme place, we become ambitious for the spread of his kingdom and his righteousness everywhere. So we think the 2030 vision is us with gospel ambition as a family of faith, prayerfully dependent on the Spirit's power, seeking to live in this moment faithfully before God. I've got a good friend who pastors a church uh, north of Houston in a place called Humble, Humble, Texas. And, and he's seeing God do these really incredible things. And, and, and Josh and I were talking with him about, like, like, what are you, like, what are you, what are you, are you doing something different? Are you, you know, do you add this? Do you do this? And he, he said, we pray, we fast, and we hustle. And I was like, if I was going to get another tattoo. <laughs> we pray, we fast, we hustle. We've been given this breath this strength, this moment in history. Prayerful dependence and gospel ambition. And all around us is the evidence of God's grace. Let me just show you two quick minutes on the stuff that God's up to among us. Um, When I started coming to this church, the safe place for me to go was in the back of the church. And my wife would get upset because she'd want to sit towards the front. And I just thought, you know, let's just be back here. That way I could be in church, but not be in church. Um, Today, I now sit in the very front row. um, And it was like everywhere I tried to hide, God would lift up where I was hiding and kind of point at me like, you know, I can still see you, right? So thank God for um, opening my eyes and thank you, church. Hi, we're the Hurtado family. And about a year ago today, Charlie lost his ability to walk and use the bathroom. Unbeknownst to us, he had a spinal tumor that was causing all these problems and he had surgery. But through the whole thing, Charlie was able, and we were able to trust in God, and God was able to heal Charlie, and Charlie's back today. He can do all the things that he lost, but most of all, we're thankful for the fact that Charlie was able to trust in his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And a few months after all this happened, Charlie was baptized and came to faith in Jesus Christ. Hey, I'm Dawson. So five years ago, I was very depressed and was gonna commit suicide, but God stepped in and saved me from making that terrible decision. And these five years after have just been incredible. God has really just been in my life all, ever since. I was walking through a season where death and loss seemed imminent and in that just tidal waves of grief would come over me and in that I wanted to break out of it. I wanted to make it stop in some way and just different ideas came whether they were destructive or numbing um, and uh, didn't want to choose any of those and so just turned to the Lord and cried out and just wailed yelled, screamed, and just laid everything in my heart before him. And uh, he met me every single time in those moments. Uh, About 14 years ago, I sustained a life-threatening concussion. And um, for the next 10 years, I I was going for a lot of treatment, injections, and pain management, slurring of words. And then uh, four years ago, out of the blue, like Matt Chandler says, all it takes is a phone call. My line was a doctor's visit, but I thought it was just a follow-up. And they told me that uh, you have a terminal brain disease. The Mayo Clinic said I didn't have much time to live. 
And uh, I just pray, Lord, if you can use me, please do. And please let me live long enough to see my grandson uh, be born. Well, now my grandson is four, so he's answered that prayer. And in so many ways, it would take so many minutes here that uh, he's been able to use me where I never thought he would. But it's all, it's all the Lord. Yeah, I mean, just, just a tiny little piece uh, of all that God's doing among us. We've we got to do a better job of getting more of that in front of you just so that you can be encouraged. So, so here's, my, here's my invitation. Uh, if you're a member of our family of faith already, you, you're in covenant with us and um, I'm, I'm giving myself to you and you're giving yourself to, to me in this place, in this season. I just want to remind you and invite you all the more in to what God's asked us to do and what he's asked us to be. Uh, and so that, that actually happens in small ways. Like we have a member meeting this afternoon from two, uh, to three fifteen, And we want to talk about that, where the purchase of the corner is and how we're going to address space and, and plans that we have. We want to talk about the budget. We want to share with you more of what God's doing among us, just kind of behind the scenes, what God's up to. So, so hop on, if you're just hop on, listen, and, and, and then we'll answer any of the questions that you guys want to talk about. It'll be a good use of time. And then tonight from five to, to six we're going to pray. Like we've got to be a people marked by prayerful dependence. We've got to be a people with action and prayers showing God that our hearts don't believe we can pull this off on our own. And, and then lastly, if you're, if you're not, if you're not a member, you're just kind of been feeling us out, you know, you're kind of trying to find a church home and not quite sure if this is your deal or not, man, immediately out. I mean, you're here, this is where we're going. This is who we are. This is what we're trying to see and, and pleading with God to do in our midst. But, but if you need even more information, then like immediately after this service today, there's a first steps class right here in suite 165. I just want you moving towards belonging to a family of faith. So if it's not us, praise God, there, there are other Bible believing, Jesus loving congregations, but you got to find one because God hasn't asked you to go to church. He's asked you to belong to one. That's not the same thing. So if it's not us, praise God, maybe I answered that for you today. Maybe you heard things I said and you're like, nope, praise God. I mean, you got clarity and, and you live in Dallas, have all these options, but, but you got to make the move. So if you're family, let's double down and come deeper in. And if you're not sure, first steps right next door. And regardless, come out and pray with us tonight. We're going to pray through some of the stuff I covered this morning. We're also going to pray for our sick. We're a reason right now. God's doing a pretty cool thing uh, when we're praying for sick people. So whatever it is, come, let's just ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to do. There, there's no promises in this game. We hold everything with an open hand. But man, he's been good and kind lately. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to stand and sing. Break bread together. Celebrate new life. And then we'll be dismissed. Father, bless these men and women. From those that are sitting in their living room, to those who are in the room, praise you. Thank you. Stir us up. Remind us. Lift up our heads. There's a lot of broken stuff around us. So would you help us recognize what is true and beautiful? That's where Paul takes this in Philippians. Whatever is true and beautiful and right and good, to think on these things, to look at them, to marvel at them and rejoice in your goodness and grace. We need you. It's for your beautiful name I pray. Amen.